If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So, Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're here to cover episode 5 of Survivor Season 42. Sorry, we're off because we missed an episode. But um, yeah, it's our episode 4, they're episode 5. I'm Survivor Rich. And I feel very Survivor Rich because I love this season. And this has been a fascinating pre-merge. And I feel Survivor Rich because doing this show is a whole lot of fun. Yeah, we, we're starting to very much... The paths are always diverting. And we're diverting on how we feel about this season. So, yeah. yeah Joe, I, like, I think it occurred to me this week. And like, I, th- I think I'm in the minority here. Like, I feel like most people are really loving it. You're loving it. It seems to be one of your favorite ever. I think I'm realizing this is just not it for me. Like, I, I'm not loving it. I'm not hating it either. I just, I feel like I'm not going to remember this as a amazing season. I'm going to remember this as, this was a season of Survivor. Like, I don't know, like Ghost Island or something. Like, there's still a lot of fun to cover and watch, and I love Survivor no matter what. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I really love really anyone on this cast at this point like i really feel like this is not a cast where i'm gonna really like i don't know if i'd ever want to see anyone on this cast play again that's still in the game like i don't want to see jenny back but other than that like i'd be happy if they're all one and dones you know Hmm. on the other hand i think i like every person in this cast and I don't know. I want to see the see what they do. Like I think a hallmark of a good season for me is when the person I like the villain, the person who's obviously the person you don't like, you're not supposed to like is even a captivating character and I think they're doing that with Roxroy. I mean obviously with Tori, like Tori's fully flipped for me, but Roxroy is someone I don't like but I appreciate. So, yeah, I think this is really solid. I think the pre-merge being so interesting, like, a fun fact is that no boot so far has voted on the, like, vote that got them out, because there's either been... It is a fun fact. Uh, ...a tie or a shot in the dark. Um, so yeah, like, it's silly, and, like, we have to talk about how there's, like, this perfect symmetry and balance going into the merge, where all the tribes have four people left, um... To male, to female, like amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's actually kind of fun. Like that kind of stuff, I do like. I like the the votes all being like having this kind of unifying factor that the person didn't vote every time, or uh, the you know that it's gonna be so even coming into the merge. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but I don't remember that we've ever had a dynamic even close to this before. Like of multiple tribes all even. And like in numbers, uh, like it's just a cool dynamic with no swap. Like 
it really is cool and and unconventional in a way. And I'm kind of interested to see like what happens when there's just three groups that are all the same size, you know? I think what makes this work because we've seen obviously the very first no, the second season had a 5-5 split. Mm-hmm. And I think what works there is the winner of that battle would then have the majority and could like Pagong if they wanted. Here, even if one like there there's no majority tribe at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's no winner really. And I think it's also interesting that we've they've showed us so many people who are like the other three people in this tribe are not the three people I want to stick with. Or mm-hmm. I don't think this person will stick with us come the merge. There's a lot of that going on, so... And, Joe, that's... So, uh, my view of Survivor is is this, right? Like, I think you should not do swaps very often because you should have people on their tribes long enough that they get to the point where they don't trust their tribe. Like, and you don't get there if you swap, and, you know, you don't really have to think about what happens if you go down to three or four or whatever because... You know, you know you're gonna swap after one vote, so you don't really care who goes home. You don't care about if you're the third on the bottom on the chopping block, um, you know, because you're only gonna go to two anyway. And I think that's what we're seeing here is actually really good game design happen. And I think we actually saw that last season too, minus the twists and in that sort of stuff. I think the actual layout of the season was very well put together. Um, you know, the the summit plus no swap actually works really well together. So you still have some idea what's going on in the other tribes and some connections, but they don't overwhelm or get confusing or anything like that. So it's actually pretty interesting that way. I think honestly, the cast just isn't doing it for me. I still really like it. It's like a seven, just, you know, a little bit lower than everybody else, but still liking it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like it a ton. I think, I don't know, it's the kind of season that makes me, as someone who very rarely rewatches Survivor, want to go back and evaluate quote-unquote good seasons and be like, what made this so good? Is it good in the same ways I'm enjoying season 42 right now? Is it better? Like, what, what are those things? And I guess when I do sort of think about this being in its 42nd iteration, I'm like, okay, is it really hitting, like, high high marks that we've seen before. And maybe not. I don't know. But I feel I haven't enjoyed episodes as consistently as I have this season. Like, mm. still not a low point. point. Like, for me, you know what it is? This is a season that, ha- that is, its average is really high. Like, there's no egregiously terrible things. Most of the votes are, like, pretty good. There's interesting stuff happening. The cast isn't bad. There's no one you hate or want off the screen or anything like that. But what is missing for me is the highs. Like, to me, it's not a roller coaster. It's, like, a flat line that's pretty good. Like, it's averaging, like, pretty good. It just doesn't have that thing where you're, like, after the season being like, oh, remember when Angelina took Natalie's jacket or, you know, like it it doesn't have anything like that. And that's, I think what's holding it back is like, there just aren't these like vibrant popping moments that people are going to reference after just like people playing survivor. Yeah. And I have to, I have to say, what do you mean? It's missing the highs. We've got one right here. Um, But 
No, I think I watch a lot of movies and I feel like I can equate it to a movie you sort of watch in the moment and you're like, that was so fun and so heartwarming and I love so much of it. And then I think just an equal part of that is where it is six months from now or a year from now in your head. Like, what does that movie feel like to you? And I think Survivor is the same way. Like, you can really enjoy it. Then when you go back and and um what happens to the moment yeah but i mean maybe i'm wrong like maybe there maybe that will come and i am optimistic actually for the merge because that dynamic is cool and fresh i think it could be a really cool and fresh merge uh and like we have lots of people not trusting each other i think it'll be fun um speaking of fun um my favorite scene this week was definitely uh the scene with jonathan marianne and Lindsay talking about mario kart um, and I was just so, um, like, I just can't believe that Marianne uses a me. Like, Waluigi's right there, Joe. I feel like we need some sort of, like, pool that's like, what pop culture topic, media, will be discussed on Survivor, and, like, how soon? Because I did not think either Mario Kart or Mies would be coming to us this soon. And, like, pretty cool that it's apparently enough of a reference to to make it here. Like, it's the sort of thing you think about, like, when we're watching it, <laughs> like, 20 years from now. And it's like, I mean, not that Mario Kart's going away, but, like, what, what does that even mean? Um, but I don't know. I think you'll find, th- listener, throughout this podcast that one of us will endorse everything Marianne says and the other <laughs> will not. Because I think... Playing as a me is a bold choice, and I really appreciate that. And yeah, if you're confident enough to just go with your me, I mean the the Mario Kart characters are kind of just subpar across the board. Like what? I want to be myself. <laughs> Donkey Kong, Waluigi, Yosh. Like you have such a good roster there. They're fun. They're dynamic. Ah, just people who play me's to me, it just means like they are too high on themselves and just want to inject themselves into everything, which <laughs> maybe we're just not high enough on ourselves, though. Um, I say this as a dry bones player, um, interpret that how you will, but I don't know. I think I don't know. Team Marianne, yeah, she uh. I have a lot of thoughts on her this week, um, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that this week's challenge was pretty subpar. We've been, I think, pretty complimentary this season. I think this is one that completely did nothing for me personally. It was very stitched together. Like, here's a rope or a net crawl. Here's unbraiding some rope. Here's a slingshot, and then just sort of threw them all together. I and will they say zoomed through it like they it was like two minutes. Yeah, I will say to sort of defend Omer, it is hard for me to like think about unbraiding that rope using that system. Like I don't get it, and like kudos to Lindsay for very calmly being able to describe what he needed to do. Like mm. that that's actual talent, and good on her. Yeah, no, totally agree, totally agree. And then, uh, like, the only other major, like, before 
uh, we go into the stories and stuff. Part that I noticed is I really liked the um, sort of two reasons that someone might go spearfishing. Like, we see Daniel, um, and I think a very, very funny scene when everyone's like, uh, isn't his shoulder broken? Didn't he tell us he can't swim? <laughs> What's he doing spearfishing? Amazing comedy. Like, that's what I go to Survivor for, is those sort of interactions that just... Like, you couldn't write that. Like, man who tells his tribe he can't swim going out alone spearfishing. <laughs> so freaking funny. But his perspective is, like, you know, he's on Survivor. He, he, he wants to be away from everybody and just have some fun. And then you have Jonathan basically get annoyed by Marianne and then choose to go on a spear tripping, sorry, spearfishing trip for that reason. And both are sort of to get away from the noise. And I, I think it's kind of a cool way to um, sort of play. And, and honestly, Roxroy with all his camp shenanigans, right? Like, it's a cool way to sort of place being a provider is that it's you need time to decompress. You need time to get away from the, the social game, right? Like, I think oftentimes we think of these jungle people and it's more like, oh, they're doing it to... They climb the tree to get the coconut and celebrate in front of the tribe, but you don't think like, oh, that's a person who maybe is having a harder time with the social game. They're maybe a little bit more socially exhausted, uh, and so they need to retreat into the water. I thought I thought it was a pretty beautiful and funny little uh, way to tell a story about what it's like to actually be there on the beach in a Survivor game. Yeah, I really liked the the sort of contrast between those two scenes um i sort of took out of it like jonathan is doing a very positive and successful thing for his tribe whereas daniel's really doesn't make sense for uh, the part he's trying to play and i mean he talks about it as though i just need to give it a try i'm on survivor what does that mean but it's very much parallel to jonathan very majestically swimming through the the sea and catching fish and coming out of the water successful as opposed to Daniel who sort of just stumbles around and catches nothing um, at the like humor of his tribe. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's like, it's a cool little story they did. I think, I think that this episode was actually pretty good uh, to, you know, kind of contradict what I was saying earlier, but like not loving the season. This was another good episode. And I think every episode so far has been pretty dang good. So, you know, I, I, I am still positive on the season. It's just, uh, um, you know, not, I don't think it's going to be in my top 10 or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for the merge personally. Like it looks like we're getting hourglass again, which I'm not hyped for, but yeah, I mean, hopefully there's a little twist on it. I think my my big fear is that they have this very complicated set of tribes merging, where it's all these smaller groups, no clear majority, um, people want to flip. And I'm afraid that they'll oversimplify. And mm -hmm. I think with the, with the way the hourglass twist has worked, where it, like basically got rid of half the options. I think that's only going to maybe make it worse. Agreed. Where then like it's like just pushing towards certain candidates and then people sort of fall behind and yeah, so I hope that instead we see a little as much of that complexity as we can. And I guess it being a two hour episode, 
hopefully avoids the sort of break that would maybe be to the detriment of that. Um, right. Yeah, there, no, that's what yeah. we said last year, right? Is they, they did it on a cliffhanger and it was terrible, right? Like everybody knew what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think this will be better, but I think you're right. They ended up with such a cool dynamic. And if it just kind of gets sideswiped because they have this twist, that sucks, right? Like everybody's really excited for this rumble between these four or sorry, these three groups of four. And it's going to be cool and interesting. And who's going to rise to the top of the social political ladder? Like that's what we're here for. And instead, what we will likely see is who of the six or people or whatever available is the least connected or, you know, has been to the least summits or whatever. And they're going to get voted out. Right. Like, not exactly the most fun that way, but I don't know. Maybe maybe we're wrong about that. I think maybe the best bet is to really develop a handful of people and where they're sitting in this one episode, and then make sure you focus on another group of people next episode, and then the like remaining people after that, just to get all of the perspectives and where where people could end up. I know it is a challenge to. We know they're playing 12 different games and have 12 different mindsets, but it's hard It's hard to show that, even in two hours. Totally agree. But yeah, no, and I mean, I think that the, like, to me, I thought it was kind of obvious Daniel was going to leave um, in this episode, but, you know, there was, like, maybe shot in the dark, or, you know, it ended up being a tie. That was kind of cool. I really like the move from both Chanel and Mike. Obviously, we don't know exactly why. My guess is to dodge from getting shot in the dark from both of them. Um, hard to know, I guess, for sure. But it seems like both of them are actually pretty savvy defensive playing and voting each other. A lot's been talked about, but about Chanel's vote, but I think both deserve a lot of credit for realizing, oh, well, Daniel's going... I need to make sure that I'm not I'm not leaving if uh, if if he gets a one in six chance right. Yeah, I I definitely defend what Chanel did here. I think that was a really wise move and the best shot she had. Not even the shot in the dark would have been better. Um, and yeah, Mike too. I guess if that's how it was going, which it, it is really hard to even interpret what that meant at the end where he's like, I kept my promise, like yeah, all of that. But yeah, I think there's just some really like many steps ahead thinking play there. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what body's good for. If anything is they're all thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I mean, any other thoughts on the episode, just general thoughts before we jump here into the stories and themes. Uh, I do want to mention that on Reddit, VariousAd985 did point out the spearfishing thing, which, mm-hmm. thank you, I, I totally was like, when I saw Daniel in that scene on the live watch, I was like, yes, I have to mention this, this is a an interesting contrast, but yeah, I'm glad you brought it up as well, because it really cemented it in my mind. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Thank you, Various underscore Ad985. Appreciate it a lot. Um... <laughs> And yeah, so that brings us to the stories and themes section of this. We have a few new ones here. I think that this week, uh, both the episode and our lovely community here with the show uh, have eliminated quite a few things here. So 
Uh, the first one we have here, we've sort of cemented this from episode one as one of the stories of the season, is this spooky undertone of the monster in the horror movie being a metaphor for Survivor. Uh, this week, we obviously saw that in a big way with Jonathan brutally attacking Marianne with a machete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like... You could press charges, I think, for attempted attempted things. Um, <laughs> I am I am Marion's lawyer, so I am defending her here um, against. I guess I'm the prosecution, huh? Oh well, uh, but yeah, I think yeah, it's another moment of. I don't know. It's not like this is a straight up horror movie anymore. There were there really those elements where they could catch them. But I think what these are representing are just the the high stakes of things. Yeah. Like everything seems really serious. <laughs> Which is weird because I think this is also a season filled with a lot of humor, but it also finds ways to show that the stakes are very high and Survivor is real. It, it really vibes well with a lot of the stories too like um like how hard survivor is or how much you have to like take advantage of what you've been given like i don't know it's just sort of this big motif like theme um, like in the sort of sense mm-hmm. of how it i don't know i'm getting rambly but i like it <laughs> and i i totally agree with you and i also think the interesting part is while the season is funny i actually think this jonathan and marianne situation is funny like it's a co- comedic moment that like it's like oh my goodness like w- like look at what's happening here and then look at jonathan going into the water and fishing and everything but it's built on the back of them being very serious. Like the 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 comedy actually comes from two people taking it very seriously, right? Like, yeah, Daniel's spearfishing is funny enough when he's narrating it or whatever. But the real funny part is when Mike, High, and Lydia are roasting him, but they're serious. Like they aren't like, oh, silly Daniel, we're giggling around with him. They're like, are you kidding me? He's spearfishing? How dare he? Like, that's how they're talking. They're very serious about it. And that causes the funny with, like, because we're not involved in that high stakes uh, emotional situation. We're just watching a TV, TV show at home, probably with some spinach dip or whatever and some pumpernickel. And we're just not there dealing with the actual the actual stress and they're getting on each other's nerves and stuff. That's like it's just a lot of fun that way, I think. That's where like the real good drama is coming from this season. Yeah, for sure. And I think you can see in that Jonathan and Marianne scene that they are both whether it's the sort of awkwardness of the situation or not, they're they're both kind of smiling and laughing laughing a little like it's not the most serious thing but still like very dramatic i guess is the the sort of vibe that the season's going for agreed um next up we have this idea this is from the premiere i still think it's all over these episodes and i think it probably is the winner story is the idea that the most well-rounded person is going to win the season um and whether that has to do with like forming a complete person or whether that's well-rounded, we still don't necessarily have the, what this is yet in terms of the tr- specific trait. 
I'm thinking it is probably a partnership. So we get a new partnership sort of emerge in this episode, and that's Drea and Romeo, right? We basically get a story for, like, we knew they were close from episode one, but we didn't really know why. And this week completely changed that, made it extremely clear why Drea and Romeo are close and how they complement each other in a powerful way. Um, Very much like, so now we're going to go into the merge and we have quite a few like locked in duos with a lot of power that are developed characters. I think that's probably going to be a big part of this is maybe one of these duos wins, or maybe what we'll see is two people who haven't met yet potentially become, you know, besties and, and complement each other in a powerful way. Yeah, I, I think I'm seeing it in a different way. Not to say that's wrong. I think that is a good read. I think right now what I'm taking from this theme is to watch out for people who are really leaning heavily into one thing. Like, I am much lower on Jonathan this episode, um, because it really just feels like he is this, like, physical provider. And I think, going back to what you said, I think it sort of helps that Omar isn't necessarily this compliment to him. Or it's not the best picture of that right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's lowering for me. But yeah, you do have groups like um, Drea and Romeo that are, are much more complementing each other without being too much in any one thing. I think that's sort of the downfall of Daniel was that he was always this scheming mind and then he it all got out from under him and he eventually went out in this sort of um, foolish way, but, but yeah, I'm looking for someone who is not too much of anything still, I think, and watching out for the people who are. Yeah, no, that's probably a good point. And like, that's, uh, we really don't know yet what's going to be highlighted based on last year's episode structure. I think we're going to see it next week because last, last year or sorry, last season, this is when Jeff really started narrating stuff at these challenges, at these twists on the beach. Like that's where we get the Erica talking about, you know, playing survivor, being a love letter to her parents and how she's going to twist the game. And like Jeff talking about how you should like, it's actually not about winning. It's about trying harder and and all that sort of stuff. Like that's where we really got it. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to happen next week. Like, I really think that we're going to get a clear idea of what he means by the most well-rounded player. Cause you're right. It could be the person who has the most connections or it could be the person who has the best complimentary ally, or it could just be the person who is, you know, the most well-rounded like stat wise. And and we don't know for sure. Um, But I think we have a number of contenders that would fit that mold. And Obviously, people who do not, because you're right, I'm much lower on Jonathan, too. I don't think as low as you, but still still dropped him a bit. Um, and yeah, so that's that's that one for sure. Um, let's jump here to the next theme, which is... And this one was huge this week, and I think will continue to be huge. Again, I don't know if it's going to be a winner story, necessarily, as much as um, maybe the story of the season. But um, more or less the idea... And this is uh, an Omar quote from a few episodes back. 
your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. This is why I've been kind of banging the drum that I think we're going to see this tribe-based group dominate. That said, or at least, you know, a, a, an alliance dominate the season. Um, that said, uh, right now it seems like the story might be it's actually really hard to find a good, stable footing with people. Right, the game of Survivor and having to deal with them. Every tribe has some relationship that isn't going well, you know, like that they don't get along, and so it's really hard to find uh, a a good group of people around you. That's where we're we are right now, and so you have to imagine Act Two is like how to ditch the fat, as High said, and find who is actually your crow. Yeah, I think that is sort of the heart of it is that this is very clearly important and I think the people who do sort of get along with the people around them and can rely on those people are doing well it's just that going into this merge we're in a situation where it seems like this applies to no one whole group that we've seen so far like your closest is maybe Taku I could see them sticking out through their machete drama but even still, that seems like such a big rift. And, um, I mean, Omar even highlights that, like, yeah, if Marianne gets treated like this, she can go off. Like, all of the tribes have had this. And I think that's really important to reinforce, is that it seems like if there's this this group that sticks together, it is not yet fully formed. Agreed. And I'm going to take it a step further, Joe, because I think you're totally right. I think at one point last week, honestly, I was thinking, oh, somehow Taku ropes everybody in and they dominate, right? Like, that's where I thought this was going. I think I'm going to take a different approach. I think we're going to see all these people. So each tribe has somebody who doesn't belong. You have Tori on, uh, on Ika. You have Marianne now on Taku. And I would say, you, I guess you have Chanel on Vati and Mike to a, a certain degree as well. Um, those people, I think maybe some combination of them is going to maybe be the group. Yeah, I definitely think one of like them... boys sort of vibe. Yeah, I feel like you could see Chanel sort of working with Omer after their meeting. Um, there's the, the amulet twist that's going to pull people apart and together. Um, yeah, it's all sorts of things how, how one person at least is going to come from another group. And I mean, that's what's going to make, theoretically, the merge vote happen is (laughs) someone doesn't stick to tribal alliances and... And maybe multiple, like maybe multiple people flip at once, right? Like... I could easily see that happen, and I think is what I'm lo- really looking at these outsider folks and seeing like, oh well, who would they flip to, right? Um, that's what I'm going to be looking at because one way to also frame your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you is because that sounds positive, right? Is you know you die if you don't have the right people supporting you. That's another way to view it, right? And I think we've seen that throughout the season people leave the game because they shouldn't have trusted somebody or, you know, it just wasn't quite right. So I think this, there's this whole idea of like 
is it right to stick with these people or not? Because if you pick wrong, it's over. And I, I think that's actually a really uh, beautiful and poetic way to present Survivor. Because sometimes, like, honestly, way too often people are too loyal in these games. And that's when they lose. And so they lose many rounds before they actually lose the game. Because they are too reliant on the people around you not to survive. Or to, you know, just to stay in the game, not to actually have know a, a chance or to prosper right yeah i think an important thing to watch is is the show presenting their motivation for flipping as the right choice because i think we've seen in seasons past where someone flips it's a it's a weaselly choice it's not great they <laughs> they betrayed their friends like how could they do it and so we have to be watching for like Flippers never win. Are the yeah? Are the flippers being presented in a good light? Who's saying that the flip? Like, there's a lot of different. Joe, has the flip already been explained and given you a reason to think they should? What do you mean? For example, I think Chanel has been shown. She's on the bottom. She gets a vote. She's tied on. She flips. I think it's completely justifiable already by the story we've seen. Marianne, her tribe, every single member of the, her tribe right now called her annoying this week. When she flips, we even have Omer saying, you know, uh, when she flips at the merge, or yeah, if she flips at the merge, all these other, at, sorry, at the merge, people are going to realize she's on the bottom and try to f- grab her because of Jonathan. It's not rascally Marianne. It's, oh, this is what's happening. She might flip now. So when she flips, she's not going to get any hate by the audience. Her tribe thinks she's annoying and they're mean to her, right? Like, I think oh, even Tori, right? Like, Roxroy talks down to her. Like, <laughs> Tori might be a little bit more villainous. I don't know. But, um, you know, like, all of them have, like, justification for flipping. They're not, like, none of these are going to be flipping because they're squirrely. They're flipping because their tribe's don't like them very much. That is fair, yes. I I see it from that perspective. I'm trying to think, like, is the... is the show, like, okay with them flipping? Because Are they, like, ruining the season because of this? Or, like, um, it's justified and we're now rooting for them to, like escape this uh, this relationship and move on to better things because i think i think you see that based on different seasons like it feels very much like tori although yeah i can see she's very much doing it for the right reasons like that is not a three that she should stick with like i think she herself is being presented so villainously that it might be seen as like her ruining these like, imagine if she ruins Drea and Romeo's game because she's the one who's flipped. Like, like stuff like that. I think she is the one. Like, I think Marianne and Chanel would be able to flip without repercussion right now. And Tori, it would be like she would need, like, a really good confessional and setup. You know, like, but I think either way, Tori's our villain. So probably wherever she's flipping is probably the villain side. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next theme we have here, uh, is a new one, and this is one that we, like, 
kind of been on my radar from this from the jump and I've just been trying to figure out what exactly it means and I think this week we got clarity and uh shout out to Buffalo of 91 uh for the suggestion is this idea of survivors a roller coaster uh th- this is introduced by Marianne in episode 1 of you know because it's survivor you only have one shot so you need to make the most of it this week Drea when she finds the beware advantage, she doesn't even think about it. She's just like, I already, I already made a risk earlier, so why not make more? I've got one shot. I'm going to use it. And I love that. Like, I love getting, like, to me, there's a little bit more clarity of what the right way to play is. And it's, I mean, to this week, Mike is talking about survivors poker. And it's all about, like, knowing when to, do, like, go all in or or when to hold, etc. And... I think it's very clear at this point that it is saying, hey, make the big risks. And and this is something we see often. Um, Last season was more about calculated risks, right? It was way more, hey, think before you leap. This one is way more like, just go all in. Who cares? You only live once. YOLO. Like, it's a very interesting dynamic. Even season to season, the difference in what Survivor's saying is a good player. Yeah, definitely. I think... You just sort of see this go-for-it attitude. Um, Even with the Beware Advantage, it's different from last season in that there was this, I feel like, more attention to the consideration. Even if they were never going to actually consider not doing it, they always really laid out those options. Here, I feel like it's been mostly people who are like, yep, I gotta do it, there's no other choice for me. Um, and just going sort of straight through. I think you see this theme in sort of taking the most of your opportunities in the camp life as well. I think it's really interesting how they juxtapose Daniel trying to spearfish, because it is something you attempt on Survivor. Next to the, I mean, maybe they did happen in the same time span, but it is when he goes out as well. So he made the most of it before he was eliminated. Yeah talking about those sort of moments and I think yeah it is all throughout where people are are really I think supposed to take risks and do the most they can to to win this so it's something like you look at Lydia and Roxroy's summit where both of them protected their vote and it's kind of like well did they do the right thing did they do the exciting thing at least no oh my god that was so funny like (laughs) <laughs> Roxroy was such a meme. I could not. It was like <laughs> he couldn't. He was just answering in questions. Like you think you're Smog the Dragon speaking in riddles? It was just uh, a, a wild, funny little um, little interaction. Yeah, and. Uh, no, you're totally right. Like, even if you think about last season, think about Brad and how Brad was presented. Like, go for it. Like, he, he t- he's basically saying what Dre is saying this week. But Brad was treated like a clown. Like, they were dunking on him the whole time. And I just want to say, hashtag justice for Brad. He should have played 42. All these people that were apparently supposed to play 41 should have switched with Brad. He should have been on this season because he would have won. Well, that's a bold statement. But yeah, you're definitely right in that Brad and Drea both have like 
all these advantages and you get like Brad being very erratic and like I'm wild like what am I going to do with all of these whereas Drea's Larry like this is great I have all these advantages she she's the one who's survivor rich after all mm-hmm. and she's presented as as a more rational force than Brad ever was and someone who can have legitimate agency in this game right no totally agree um yeah so that's uh i think that's good in that one um and then i think obviously we have this sort of theme like i don't know how relevant it was this week but of surviving change and hardship um and and specifically adaptability which i imagine is going to probably be the theme of the merge right we have mike saying you know, either I adapt or I'm a dinosaur. Uh, this week he had a really funny line where he's like, I don't even know what the risk is I'm making. I'm like, is this a stupid move? Is this a good move? I don't know. How do you even know? Um, all that stuff is cool uh, in terms of adaptability. Uh, any thoughts here, Joe? I think you saw that a lot. And I mean, we'll talk a bunch about this way later because Mike is the last living person to talk about. Um, but there's so much nuance in his... Um, treatment of him is he going to say his phrase to activate his idol or not and you get this is where you get this full consideration of like should I say it or not Um, and then he does say it and you get an explanation for why he did it like just all sorts of talking about the adaptability and the change and what's happening in the game so yeah I think that was a really strong scene Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, okay, so what's actually interesting here, and, and to jump back a little bit to what we were just saying about this, like, having one shot and making the most of it, is Mike, if anything, is the voice of the opposite, right? Like, Mike, if anything, is the voice of, wait a minute, like, I'm actually going to carefully think about whether to take it out or not. Like, the, the phrase. I should, you know, but say the phrase or not. Um, and he says, like, it wasn't initially his plan. It just sort of happened in the moment he decided that's what he's going to do. But it's been he's been thinking about it. Right. He's been weighing the decisions, whereas Drea doesn't even stop. Right. And I don't know if we have 100 percent clarity. What's the better option there in terms of what the story's saying? But like, I'm very high on Mike. If this is a season where he leaves next week. It could be that he wasn't risky enough. Like, I think that it would be like generally, and we'll go through this with everybody, but when I'm viewing these things, it's like part of Edric to me and, and viewing the narrative as the key to figuring out where the story's going is thinking, okay, well, what would have to happen for Mike to lose next week? And for me, it would be a risk opportunity pops up and he takes the safe option and leaves. Like, Maybe it is the hourglass. Like, Mike would actually be, I think right now, my top pick to go to that island um, for that reason. Um, and we'll go through this with, with everybody, but it's like, you know, like, there is this part where he is actually uh, sort of distinct from everybody else and that he is carefully considering these things. He is still doing the interesting thing, the risky move. He just thinks about it a lot first. That is really interesting. I have sort of two things on that. First, I think I'm thinking about the hourglass twist in a very different way, where I have a very different candidate. So Ooh, more fun. on that later. 
But I do think Mike, I could see Mike going because maybe the presentation is that by doing what he did this episode, now everyone does know he has that idol. And therefore, it makes him a target to blindside when he might have not otherwise have been. So it could pop up like that. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I see him maybe going to Hourglass Island, but I think they are presenting it in an interesting way where we do think he is kind of contrary-ish. Not fully. I feel like he's still taking a lot of risks. Agreed. But he is very contrary to that having one shot and making the most of it theme. So I'm curious how that plays out. If maybe there's a medium between this adaptability theme and that making the most of it theme that we haven't reached yet. We see them as two separate things that we need to find the middle. Yeah. And I mean, it could like even genuinely like Joe at the start, he was immediately like, I'm not going to say this. Right. And if you kind of track the narrative of, I'm a dinosaur, and so therefore I need to learn how to become not a dinosaur. It could easily be a story of how he becomes more risky as the game goes on. I think mm-hmm. we've seen that. Um, so I, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's contradictory. I think they are distinct. There's a subtle difference um, between him and Drea, but I don't think they are on different islands there at all. Um. Any other thoughts, themes, ideas? I mean, we did get a little, just to mention it, a little brief thing from, well, I guess both Drea and Romeo um, sort of bring gender into this. Romeo talks about how he is drawn to strong, strong women. um, And then Drea talks about how women are just as his men. I really, even though I just acknowledged it here, I sort of bounced off of it as a theme. It really made sense to sort of tie those two together and give Drea this really powerful moment, but I don't think... Um, I, I, I want to say I don't think it's important, but now I think of, like, Lydia's moment of talking about how um, her body conscientiousness is such a big thing for women her yeah. age. Like, there are these moments, but that's also that's also just Survivor. Like, Survivor is about talking, about bringing different people together and dealing with society's problems. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you there. I don't think there is a long season running theme uh, of it or anything like that. Like, obviously it's important, but it's a, it's a facet of the show, right? People will bring their personal journeys into it. And to me, it's not really a theme or a story, until that is a pattern or it's saying something unique. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, voting somebody out every week is not necessarily a story. If they're voted out in the same way over and over again, or there's a pattern that it might be, uh, maybe we're missing it here, but I don't think we are missing some sort of, I don't think survivor is trying to say some, uh, unique thing about this season pertaining to it, I think that Drea confessional was really funny and and, and powerful, and that's going to get shown no matter what. Like nine or ten days of the week, that show that uh, or <laughs> not days of the week, but you know episodes. Like, th- there's not only going to be so much that's better than that Drea confessional, uh, and, and she finds it like it's, it's going to make air, you know. 
Right. I think with our approach, we cast such a wide net that we we literally catch these red herrings. And I sort of am looking at now at our notes. We have this generational divides one, which we weren't mentioning other than for this example now, because it, it's it's not there anymore. It was maybe sort of present in the first two episodes, but we're not seeing it as much. And so, yeah, I mean, we've got to acknowledge like these things and maybe the items we're seeing are just in the back of our mind until we start seeing those patterns and when they actually start applying to a bunch of people in a bunch of different ways. So, so yeah. Totally. I know you're totally right. Like for me, like a huge part of producing this show, like to get a little bit inside baseball is like, we think like, Hmm, are we getting, is this just nothing, right? And and we really do think a lot beforehand of is this nonsense? Is this actually something? Is there is there more here? But yeah, it's uh sometimes we do we'll we'll totally grab stuff that doesn't have a have a home moving forward. Um and yeah, any other thoughts on theme stories? I do not. Hey, let's jump here to the Ica tribe. And so we're entering the merge, so this is going to be interesting, or I guess not really, as Jeff said, but I think we know what's going to happen. It's going to be functionally a merge, um, and then we'll get some, you know, some sort of machination where some of them are immune and some of them aren't. Um, so let's start with the Ica tribe, which, Joe, last week we were both extremely uh, low on, and I don't know about you, but I'm less low on them. Still very low on them as a unit. Uh, but individually, I think some of these people could actually come around. Um, especially with the fact that they didn't go to tribal. Uh, it means that I think that... I don't know. I, I, I at least see the path for a lot of them. And they got a lot of content this week. To actually kind of have a beginning, middle, end of what the Ika tribe was. Yeah, you know, I I definitely agree. I think... It was very low. I eliminated all of them last week. I mean, I'm only back down to who I feel is the obvious elimination, but even even that one and like interesting portrayal this this episode. Um so yeah, they're actually very scattered across my list. So we have lots of interesting things to talk about with this tribe. Yeah, th- this week really like Last week, my contenders lists were like blocks of tribes, and this week, it's 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 like a regular random assortment, and that's super fun. You know, that's good. Like, I'm glad I'm not just having to be like, sorry, this entire group of people. That's fun. So, um, yeah, let's start here with Drea. Amazing week for Drea. She finds another advantage. It's clear that that's now one of her stories. I, so I th- I think it's actually better now for her that she, like, how do I put this? So last week I would have said so much of her story is about these advantages. That's not good. This looks like Sierra Don Thomas and Game Changers or, or something like that. You know, like, I feel like every season, uh, you know, person who finds Idol and talks about it in a powerful way gets thrown on the top of Edric charts and, and, and is always a red herring, right? Whereas now Drea has so many things that I think retrospectively makes that old content look a little bit better. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I mean, since so much of it is about advantages and stuff, maybe, I don't know, there's still, 
Drea's edit feels like the well, one I'm that good. like it feels like um the one that still has the holes. Like it's still kind of patchy in all the wrong places. Like I don't know. It it's better. She this tribe is tricky. I just don't feel like she was occupying the right sort of vibe and spot on this tribe. And then also I don't feel like the tribe was sort of occupying the right place in terms of the season still. And I think both yeah. of those things really, really like elevate my doubts on her. Like she doesn't like if you think about how she plays so much into that having one shot theme and she's always played into that, it does make more sense for someone like a Mike who is sort of growing into it to sort of overcome that. Whereas she's just the sort of figurehead who always represented it. Right. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, and you're right. And like the issue with Drea is they've never figured out what her role is. Like uh, she flipped week to week in ways that, we're not controlled, even in, in these unconventional stories, quote unquote, like Erica, her story is super consistent the whole way through. Drea is not right. Like Drea is sometimes with like sometimes voting with uh, Swati and Tori and then sometimes voting with Roxroy and Romeo and there's just no consistency there. And that's the issue for me. That's why she's still pretty low for me. Uh, the only thing like <laughs> I don't know how to even place this like. She's lower for me than a lot of people, but she's a little bit more volatile, mostly from that Romeo confessional. Like, like I, I can imagine a world where Drea beats Romeo in the end or something. Like, there's like weird niche situations where I see Drea being in there with a shot to win, but I, I don't know how how realistic I think these things are. And generally, there's just more people with more of those than Drea. And I think her winning would be a departure from telling a consistent story. Yeah, I think sort of looking at it from the opposite way, like, Drea feels very much like a character where you're just watching the show and you're like, yeah, Drea could win. Like, that's a cool character who has had a lot of content and I know where she is and she could win. But then it is when we give it this closer, edgic look that we, like, see it just doesn't make quite make sense and so i think that's where i'm i'm confused it is sort of reaching i think at this point in the season you sort of reach a point where there are like people who make sense edically and have a good edit and then like the people who don't make any sense and they have this weird middle where it's like i know who they are as a character but like it's not quite the right story to win so that's why they're sort of floating here in this middle space like, why does she look the way she does, right, is ultimately the question. And honestly, I imagine they would really like a Drea win. So I just, I, that that's my big issue there. Um, but she does hit the themes well, or maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's the poster for why you should have been more careful. I don't know. That That could be very possible. Either way, she's kind of presented as an obstacle to topple that's been difficult to topple, right? Like, we've already seen people try and fail. Um, and now she's got all this stuff. She's survivor rich. So it's, it's definitely interesting. And it's a cool story too. Like I kind of like what we got here of Romeo basically saying he's going to coach her into being a better survivor player than she already is. That would actually be a really fun winner story. 
if that if that's the start you know what i mean like if we see messy and complex com- complicated but has potential drea from episodes one to five and then we basically see uh romeo take a master miyagi sort of role and and sort of direct her into being the best version of her that can win this game that would be a freaking cool survivor story almost like rob and matt from uh amazon you know like only leading to a winner like that could be kind of fun i don't know what do you think of that joe i think my biggest thing is that drea hasn't been shown as like extremely messy and not capable like she's been really the power player on Ika. Like I know we're getting a lot of like quote unquote winner content from Romeo, but like Drea is the one who's sort of been in the driver's seat even when she's been in danger. I think so. That's where it's tricky to me to have like Romeo coaching her. I think if anything, it's just building up that Drea is a strong ally for Romeo, and we might see Drea unfortunately go, and how Romeo recovers from that. You're probably- Probably right. Like I feel, I feel like Drea will leave before Romeo. But imagine how cool that story would be. Yeah, but I'm such a Jenna Maraska fan, so uh, I'm yeah. very happy with the story we got. Yeah, maybe maybe Drea can come second then. You know, um, but <laughs> Romeo can come third um, or fourth now, right? That would be fire making loser. Um, yeah, for that analog. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, let's jump here to Roxroy. If you don't have any other thoughts on Drea, I do not. Okay. So, Roxroy, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, Joe, no longer eliminated um, for me. The reason for that is the fact that he's made the merge now completely recontextualizes his story, I think. And I know I said earlier that Mike is my pick to be on Ship Wheel, uh, or what's it called? Uh, Hourglass. I think Roxroy might be my like second pick. Because, so his story at this point, Joe, is basically he acts like an ass and then is really sorry about it and wants to change. Then he acts like an ass again and then is really sorry about it and wants to change over and over again, right? And to me, that seems very likely like somebody who might go live on an exile island for a night and and have some profound belief of how to move forward. Mm, I... Gosh, I don't see that either. I think this is a weird episode in where Roxroy like had some awareness and realized he was not playing good, and I don't know. That's been every other Roxroy episode. I don't think so, though. I feel like he's been mostly unaware, and people have just been sort of abiding by him. Um, I also agree with that. I just think that, you know, like, for every time he's a jerk, it's, like, right after he's like, oh, you know, I just, you know, my kids, that's different, you know? Like, or, like I feel like he said, oh, I screwed up, and I'm going to do better next time so many times at this point. To me, if anything, that sort of like not the greatest but justified feels like the merge boot to me it feels very sydney like yeah, actually, that's I, a good point. I i know you were last week so very much like rockstory doesn't make the merge at all and i was like no he makes the merge but he's just the first one to go i think is sort of my read on this i mean yeah you could be right i just to me at this point like the fact that they still gave him development this week i'm like is this really the character that's going to leave next? Like, I was kind of with you 
And to me, it's just, okay, so, like, once this person makes the merge, one, why would you vote them out? And two, like, ha- like the story seems wrong. Like, I feel like they would just bury him this week if that's what was going to happen, right? Like, I, I I think I just struggle to imagine him not being more of a central figure. And I'll, I'll tell you why, Joe. I think Roxroy is now my leading candidate for a losing finalist. I think he's, I think he's gotten to that point that he's so bad that he's he's probably a losing finalist i know i think i think it just matches almost too neatly with sydney and that it's someone who maybe gets sort of a rough draw say they do a similar twist to the hourglass twist and maybe he doesn't go but hey maybe he's a nice candidate that a bunch of the safe people can agree on Mm, and so it goes there so you want to justify why he's leaving but also acknowledge his sort of like bad deal and all of it and i think i think that's why it's such a perfect fit like i said almost too good it's very similar to sydney it is actually pretty similar to sydney yeah so like that's yeah you might be right like honestly like you're kind of persuading me into thinking that maybe he is just the vote because he him in the merge changes the story so much because he is totally risk averse he is stubborn he's like the opposite of all the themes that we've been talking about and so it's just like the weird justification is getting to me um just because i thought i would have thought this week was the week to bury him but it wasn't this is actually a pretty good episode for rocks right i still have him you know pretty darn low uh i just have a higher i guess like i was you know last week i don't know how the heck he makes it to final 10 you know like could not imagine whereas now i'm like well who is the losing finalist maybe it is just him i don't know i know i think that is a possibility like if he survives longer like sure but even then i don't i don't know this doesn't it feels too like caricature losing finalist to actually be the losing finalist (laughs) for me usually when i'm trying to track losing finalists because i don't really think like the only thing different between a losing finalist and anybody else is like there's Something that you can imagine the jury coming at them for at Final Tribal. And you could totally see exactly what people would go to Roxroy for and his response. It would be, sorry, I'm so used to talking to my kids and I, you know, don't realize that how I come off because we've seen it five times. Um, and I don't know, you're right. Honestly, you're, you're persuading me. I think he's dead next week. <laughs> so good job persuading me. And uh, yeah, re- rest in peace, Roxroy. Yes. <laughs> uh any other thoughts on uh Roxroy? I love how Lydia said his name where she was like Roxroy, like very two distinct <laughs> words. <laughs> two names, yeah. First yeah. name Rock, second name or last name Roy. Um no, you're right. That was very funny. And like honestly, like I hope his story gets more development because it's developed, but it's boring. Like it is just like he does something that he shouldn't do and then is sorry about it over and over again. Like that's just not actually that captivating. So I hope they find something different for him to do. If he isn't going to be the next boot, like give us something else, like a different act. Like, I don't know. That's, that's my thought on it. Yeah. If they, if he's not the next boot and they don't want to do that, you just, I say, put him in the background. Like, Yeah. Have him build the shelter. Like that, that shows you what you need to know. Right. Yeah, I don't want to see more of him not having social awareness. Yeah, because it's not like it's not even fun. Like you can tell he's probably a nice guy or whatever. It's just he's it's just not his environment. Like yeah, just it, it to me like the stuff with Roxroy never feels fun. Bad except for when he was on the island with Lydia. That was really funny. Um, 
it usually just feels like a little bit mean spirited and, and I don't know. But so I, I hopefully they find some more depth here with him for his characterization. Um, let's jump here to Romeo. I think Romeo might be the main event this week, Joe. Uh, we both, I think, are much higher on him this week than last week. Last week, I kind of was the defender, right? I'm like, hey, you know, Romeo, I, I like you could totally see a world where he wins. Like, he's still low for me, but I totally, like, I could get, see it. And this week, Joe, I could really see it. This was exactly what he needed uh, to really um, get out of the Ika pit, right? Like, this was him uh, contextualizing all his previous actions and get, setting him up for act two. Right? That's really what it was. So I think no matter what, he's a main character this season. Um, but now he actually has he has win equity um, in a way that he totally did not last week. He has a story, um, and it's one that I think will continue to grow. He's a good player, but he's also thinking about the people around him. And he's going to try to raise them up. And also, I think he's somebody that would be quote-unquote well-rounded. Yeah, I think... Last week, while you were trying to sort of spark this, I was a very adamant naysayer saying, no, his premiere is just too weird. And I think this episode was just so good. What it definitely made sure for me is that Romeo is a main character. Like, his content throughout this pre-merge has been so strange in the way it is so manipulated i think yes like we're getting very specific insights into what romeo feels about the ika tribe and i think this was the episode where i could finally be like okay i need to maybe think about how that premiere wasn't it wasn't what i wanted to see but it doesn't mean it was bad and so when you take that into account you have a really solid premiere where he makes a relationship with someone who is the first boot, and it's not perfectly justified why he voted, but it's not bad. In the second episode, his only content is to acknowledge what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, his fourth episode is this very good point about Roxroy and how he's contending with him. And then, yeah, this episode is just amazing and really wants you to show, like, this is an important character. So, yeah. He has risen from eliminated to my third place and a contender. Dang. Yeah, he's not that high for me, but I totally get where you're coming from. And the big thing there is, I think you're totally right, right? So, episode one, it's a huge Rocks Ro- Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a huge <laughs> Romeo showpiece um, uh, of his personality, how he's going to bounce off people. You see him interacting with Zach. Um, but, like, if you think back to, like, Survivor Philippines, Denise and Zane have a lot of scenes in episode one, right? Like, that's also a part of it. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're shown close or having a meaningful relationship with the first boot, as long as you can give context on why it doesn't work out. And Roxroy gets, er, oh my goodness, Romeo gets this, um, and I think that's so interesting in a way how they choose cho- have chosen to show Romeo from the beginning is he has kind of a clear story, like, he is right in the middle between like the quote unquote older group and the younger group. And then you have him uh, having the relationship with Zach because that's why he's in the middle. He's being invited to the young people, but he's also close to the older folks. And that's kind of still the case the whole way through where he's the one who's clearly running the tribe. 
Um, and for me, generally, when I'm thinking, like, can this person win? I'm thinking, is there con- careful consideration for where this person is at all times? And the biggest fault against Romeo is he does have those two quiet episodes. Um, but, like, really, at the end of the day, he we know exactly where he was in all those times, right? Like, there's not a time where you're like, what's going on with Romeo? You know it the whole time. And it's clear that they have shifted to an approach where they will, you know, ice people out a little bit for one week and then pop them back in. Um, and as long as that story's consistent, it's not the end of the world. So for me, this week with it just tying up, like they wanted to make sure they tied a bow up on Romeo. Like that's what this episode screamed to me was, is we're just going to wrap up all the little loose ends here with Romeo, put it in a nice little bow so that the merge he's ready and primed there as a, a fully formed character who can bounce off these other people. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the most visible person next week, for example. The most invisible or most or visible? Most vi- like the main narrator of the, yeah. of the merge. I was just I was thinking about my next thought and got a little a little sidetracked. Um <laughs> but yeah, I I think that's a an accurate reading. I think he's someone who could be very important in in this merge episode um my thought was going to be that i think if you you put these edits romeo and drea next to one another drea's feels like it's sort of like crashing through this pre-merge and that all the pieces are there she's a big character you get her but it's not right. Romeo's feels so crafted and nuanced and like, like there's a lot of intention behind sort of how it's almost like Romeo is sort of their, their focus and what they're doing. And then Drea is just needed as to complement the story and as to complement Romeo. Yeah. No, this is sort of what happens in a weird way. Like Drea's, I think the bigger personality and is finding these things and is super tight to Romeo and is clearly attracting more attention in the tribe, right? Like, I feel like the tribe probably has way more confessionals where they're like, Drea's running the show than Romeo's running the show. But Romeo's still being presented as stronger. They just kind of have him also talk about Drea's advantages, right? Like, and like that kind of thing. Like, um, and it's an interesting thing when you think about it because different versions of this relationship, Ergo, Heather, and Erica, they just don't show the Romeo of the relationship and Heather, right? They just, who cares? Or Lydia, right? Like Lydia is totally the um, less important in the high end Lydia relationship. And so she's just not on the show as much. Right. And, but Romeo is Romeo is still there and still popping. And, and that means something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I also think he just has a kind of a unique energy, which I think is captivating, but also blends in. And I think in a way, uh, it's easy to forget how much he really is in the, like his story is developed because he is kind of very matter of the fact, matter of fact and stuff. Um, we even understand his relationship with Roxroy from last week. Like he's just his game philosophy of like, just take it and then do what's needed. Right? Like we even know that we know, all about his personal life. We probably know more about his life than anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah and I, I definitely get that blending in part, because I think when your other three characters left on this tribe are Drea, Roxroy, and Tori, like, it's hard to stand out anyway, and then, like, yes, I think Romeo is this very rational presence amidst all of them, and that's what makes Yeah, it's three cartoons in Romeo, right? Like, <laughs> um, in different, all in different ways, too, right? Like, Tori can't wait to backstab you, Roxroy just wants to tend to the fire all day. Andreas is like Mr. Monopoly out there, you know, like 
and then it's just Romeo is just the dude, you know, like just some guy. Um, and, and it's an interesting story thing there. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about, even when we weren't as high on his chances as we are now, is that from preseason, I we feel like we could have seen a totally different character for Romeo, and instead, it, there's none of that. It's all it's all very nuanced and sort of toned down content. I think. Um, where we could have seen him as sort of as sort of this caricature that we are seeing the other three to be honestly. So I think that is that is all the more remarkable. Yeah, totally agree there for sure. And th- that is why I'm very high on him. I have him in my top five, I believe, five or six. I have him at five or six. I'm a little bit undecided there, but right in that range of like tier two, um, but with with a good amount of win equity. So yeah, um. Huge episode there for Romeo for sure, and yeah, I think either way it's gonna be a fun merge with him. Like I, I, you can tell that they're really trying to hype him up. So hopefully that leads to something, right? Like hopefully that is him doing some cool stuff, making some cool moves. Seems like he's gonna be like kind of a slippery snake. So I'm all here for that. Speaking of slippery snakes, um, we got Tori here. I think this is the first time we're not talking about her like last. Um, and she was really funny this week. I. Uh, <laughs> I like that she was kind of chirping Rocks Roy for uh, only caring about the fire, that he's there playing a different game. You can just tell they do not like each other at all. And uh, I mean, she did not have the biggest week, but um, her eye roll intensity has hit like a new, new paradigm of how many times she could roll her eyes very dramatically on the episode. I must feel like she's sort of with her like knowledge of Survivor. She's realized she's probably not in a good spot to win this game herself. And in that case, she's just having fun with it, where she is a little more willing to have these these asides where she just she just sort of shows her emotions to the camera and, and goes from there. So, so yeah, I really appreciate her as a character. Um, it's, it's still shocking, but, but yeah, this is a, a good character on my season of Survivor. That is what I will say. <laughs> yeah, I uh, totally agree. And I, I, she's just really funny. Like, and I think she's going to be an important character in this merge too. Like she is the one who is very outspoken. I mean, she could leave next week. Like, I think she's also a candidate for Sydney for sure. Um, the, like, you know, the, the post-merge preacher or whatever. Or, yeah. Um, and, uh, like that could totally happen because you could easily see a world where she flips and then she's the only one vulnerable or something like, um, something like that could easily happen. Um, but like, I like that she is sort of very outspoken. Like she is going to flip, you know, like there's no, there's no ambiguity of whether she's going to flip or not. And that's kind of cool and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Like it's nice to know someone has to, has to find their new spot in whatever dynamics form at the merge instead of everyone sort of going in with the mindset that they'll stick to what they've got. Like Tori has zero intention of doing that. And that's really, really nice to see. Yeah. Like really, if you think about it, it's three, three, one, one, three, one kind of thing. If the, 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 what I said just makes sense. Like the tribes, like each tribe has three locked in group members and then one like offbeat one, right? So that kind of makes it all three, 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 three in a way, right? Like you got your three tribes of three people locked in groups, and then you got three lost f- people. Um, and that makes them all even too, which is cool. Definitely. And I mean, even then, if any two of those get together, that's still not a majority. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a ton of fun. So 
Um, I'm living for it. And uh, yeah, I mean, Tori did not have a big role in this episode. Her story is well-defined, right? Like she's another one who has a, like her story is consistent and crafted as well. The issue is she's the villain, right? Like um, if it was a little bit more positive or if we had personal content or something, like I would raise her a little bit, but like, it's clear she's an important character. And she looks like she's having a ton of fun out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's probably what we're dealing with. And her story's probably going to be that she can't get along with the people around her, right? Like, she's too phony or, or whatnot. Um, and that is going to be the, the end of her. I could even see her being a losing finalist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that fits into the sort of Angelina mold mm. we've always seen. I think, you know, I I have Tori at 8th, I guess. And I think that's really high. But I think my sort of, what I'm feeling there is that you're right. It is this very intentional edit. I think the biggest problem is that it's not intentionally great <laughs> in the way like Romeo's is. So... I think it's throwing me off, but I don't know. I could still see it. There could be this amazing turnaround if she goes to Hourglass Island. I'm seeing it more with her than with Roxroy, maybe. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe she has a face turn. Like Maybe maybe she's the hero of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if CBS viewers are ready for that. I, d- I honestly don't think she has it in her, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, based on what we've seen, like I just don't think that it's going to be this triumphant hero story. I think she's going to be a thorn in people's sides and and she'll have her fun moments and like i think she was kind of a hero in a way the episode where uh swati leaves like when she was in danger like i think that's what we'll continue to see is she kind of rises to the occasion when needed and then we'll kind of soften off a little bit when not but yeah that's that story um let's jump here to taku uh and now this big you know this perfect unity tribe is looking in retrospect a whole lot less perfect and un- unified yeah they had like a, a good two episodes and now they seem very i don't know unlikely to stick together yeah no totally like unless the story is like they successfully keep marianne there like that could also be the story right but didn't look too hot this time um, in terms of that possibility. So, yeah, I mean, let's jump into it. Let's go to Jonathan. Last week, we had a lot of positive things to say about Jonathan. This week, uh, less. <laughs> less positive things. Um, and, yeah, I think we said this a little bit with the theme section of, you know, it's very clear at this point he is not well-rounded, right? He has weaknesses we don't know for sure if that's a death knell but sure looks like it right now yeah i think the thing sort of buoying jonathan for us was that he was a so very strongly presented in this in the role he has taken b he had people surrounding him that could help smooth out those edges and then c it was always portrayed positively like (laughs) And, I mean, I don't know where exactly you lie on how Jonathan was portrayed this episode, but I don't think it was as pristine perfect as we've seen before. Like, yeah. I I mean, I'm someone who's going to read it more as Jonathan's not so in the right, I guess. But even if you think about he's sort of dogging on Lindsay, too, like, who is his closest ally. Like, there's a, there's a lot of bits here that aren't the greatest and i think as this season veers towards something that's about a being well-rounded or b like being reliant on other people jonathan is not those things he's not well-rounded he's the one people rely on Mm -hmm. 
And yep. so that plus this general, like, how how would he ever make the end and win sense is really is really lowering for him, me. I have him, I guess, at fifth, which doesn't seem that low, but like not in good contention. <laughs> Agreed. And following up on last week, he had a blunder right at that tribe at that challenge. And he needed this week to have a good episode. I think like this is uh, granted. We're not uh, immune to the pre-merge doubt episode. Like there's some episodes with Ben, for example, in the pre-merge of triple H where he does skew a little bit negative or like, and it's some level of doubt on him as a, as a, can he win the game kind of thing? Um, this could be that for Jonathan. It totally could. Um, the issue is last week was kind of that with his making a blunder at that trot at that challenge. And this week there wasn't a good follow up. It was, Oh, actually he's not even right. So he's out there saying how tight they are, but they're not like, they don't even like each other. Like that's not good. Um, it was a huge tone shift from last week where, even when he was confronted with that, Marianne's like joking and laughing with him. This week, it seemed like they don't like each other. Like, um, there's a lot of stuff that way that's not good for Jonathan at all or his narrative and kind of to what he said in his confessional. Like, the minute you're the, you know, six foot five guy being angry, like, you lose the audience, right? Like, you really do. That said, this week, I think he's M. Like, I think this is a mixed edit this week. And I think I'm seeing a lot of ends on the internet uh, as like cpn and i think that's the wrong call i think this is a mixed edit this week and you know so it's positive and negative i don't think we're meant to leave this as jonathan's like a monster i think we're supposed to leave this as jonathan is going to have to contain his anger and can if he can do it then maybe he can win um but this episode did not give me that much confidence that he'll be able to do that yeah, to speak to that, I I currently have him as an N negative, but I definitely see the case for mixed. I had him as mixed. And I think the questions that sort of weigh in my mind is there is this sense of like, A, is he in the wrong? Like, it, did he do the right thing by like removing himself from the situation? And was that sort of foray into the sea? portrayed positively enough but i think the things that kept drawing me back to negative were how both like obviously marianne's against him but omer even shouted out that it was a bad choice for him to like treat marianne like that so i get it it's sort of a close line i think the important thing is that it doesn't really affect i mean we've sort of gotten to a point where like the chart is not like strict like it means someone's winning or not but, but yeah, I think you can read this episode the same way for what it means for Jonathan going forward, but have both a negative or a mixed. Like, you're still getting the same thing out of here. Right, because, like, that's the thing is now his winner story would be winning the challenges, right? Like, being a rogue agent. Yeah. That's where it's, like, this is act two. Um, it's either, you know, how he loses, right? That's very possible. Or it's, he becomes a little bit villainous or, or like, is Rick Devins a villain? I, I think is, it depends on if you're, if you're on the internet or not, right? Like, is the, is the, is the answer there? But like, that would be the path for Jonathan now is, is that sort of thing. Rick Devins, Ben, Mike. Whereas last week we we're saying that's a possibility, but it could also be Tom Westman or Tommy 
And I think those options are now off the table. He's not going to be the Pagong leader effortlessly winning. If he wins, it's Tuck who's getting picked off at the start of the merge and he wins out. Yeah, for sure. So, and because he is a total monster and I think they've laid the groundwork that it's possible. I actually still think that is in the line or, or, or in the realm of possibility. Um, I don't know how likely, um, (laughs) there's, I mean, part of me is like, could he leave next week? Like from this twist, like if he wins the immunity challenge and it gets robbed from them, why would you not take him out? Well, see, I think that's the weird thing is that like, I just don't feel strongly that he can go out next week. Like, and it feels like the time he would go, like, yeah, everyone wants him out and, and a stupid twist that can totally screw big challenge guy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. He doesn't feel like the merge boot. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, if he doesn't win like a single immunity, like that would be sh- shocking to me. But yeah, I don't I don't know what to do with him now cuz he is just this weird like I no longer think he can win in like a conventional way. I think it's going to be barreling your way through. Not I guess not that that's unconventional, but you know, not <laughs> not like social strategy. It's going to be winning a lot. So, um it's a hard one to even evaluate because uh, it depends if it happens or not. <laughs> like, but uh, I, I think the the uh, not a great episode, but I don't think it's a horrific episode either. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's okay enough that I totally didn't. It, there's enough sort of wiggle room in the perception of it. Yes, I can see what they might be doing, or maybe they're doing something that's taking him down a non-winner path too. So, I mean, the way it was framed, they did a lot to show him not getting overcome by it and to show them actually being kind of annoying, right? Like the way it was edited specifically was to at least lend some credibility to what he was saying, like, and give him justification after, like, if you're going to have a wildly negative scene, this is the way that you want it presented. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's Jonathan. Let's jump here to Lindsay, who is actually my biggest drop of the week. Um, generally, this is a week where I'm much lower on Taku as a whole. Um, and Lindsay's path was being the most well-rounded Taku member in a Paganging. And I don't think that's what we're getting anymore, so I'm basically selling on my Lindsay stock. Yeah, I have her second to last now, next to yeah. Rockstar. And honestly, I think it's closer than i give it credit for because yeah this was not a good a good episode for Lindsay. she was basically like also annoying like marianne which works for marianne because that's always been her thing but not Lindsay. we talked about how Lindsay could go that way but did not so yeah to have a change here is not good but even more than that joe it's not only is she annoying to jonathan she's also jonathan's confidant like what mm-hmm his confessional is Lindsay and Marianne are annoying. And then the scene is him talking to Lindsay about Marianne. It doesn't make any sense. It's like they forgot she was there. Like that's what this edit this week looked like to me. I actually, this is something I'm actually kind of critical of them on. Like, is there no scene of Jonathan and Elmer talking after episode one? Like, yeah. or, you know, whenever they're French, whether it was episode one or two, like, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? like th- that's who he should be talking to for the story to make any sense. It's a total fumble of a narrative here where Jonathan's apparently so annoyed by Marianne and Lindsay that he can't be around them. And he voices that by going right to Lindsay to talk about it. Like, it just, 
garbage editing and storytelling there, in my opinion, and makes it clear that they just don't see Lindsay as an important character at all. So unimportant, they can kind of ignore that she was a, a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, and here's here's the thing. I think Lindsay is the biggest question mark who's not really, like, a question mark. Like, she's had content. And I think that's sort of, like, weird, like, where we don't quite know what's going on with Lindsay. That makes her my top contender for the hourglass twist. Oh, that, that, that's actually not a bad, bad take at all. I think she's someone who, like, we get good development, like this nice scene where she's the one living alone. I mean, I don't think she's winning, and I can see how, I mean, not everyone who goes to Hourglass Island wins. Um, mm-hmm. So you can very much see how that makes sense, where it's not a story, but you don't need to give Lindsay her time of the day or happy positive moment until episode six and that's okay so if i'm let me know if i'm wrong on this last season it was a random draw right it was yeah it was right because they do yeah totally because last last season that's when jeff had that line where he's like and it all comes down to the luck of a draw sometimes right like that's yeah so it's a random draw and it happened to be the winner right like and i think that here's a side prediction i think whoever goes is gonna skyrocket up the edging chart. You know what I mean? Like, I think people will not realize, oh, somebody's gonna go and get all this personal content, right? Like, it happened to be the case that the the winner went last time, but that was just a 1 in 12 shot. Um, but the story was there with her being on the bottom and needing a new birth. The question is, is that because she won, or is that because she was going to Shipwheel Island? Or, sorry, Hourglass Island. Right? I don't think we have an answer to that because we have one sample size. Because you're totally right. I think a good way to use Lindsay, if she's going, would actually be this. And then I'll have her emerge as an actual character in the season. You know, give us some background and, and stuff like that. Almost like Heather going to the island, right? Like, that would be kind of a cool way to do it. Um, I don't know if I'm with you. I think I have a number of people ahead of you. Mostly because of, you know... I think it's a sec like somebody who needs a second act, right? Like somebody who had some sort of issue, right? Like for Erica, it was, she tried to make a move and it didn't work. Now she's on the bottom. And, and so she needed something else. I, I don't know if we have that for Lindsay yet. Um, and while I agree, that would be a cool usage. I think it's more likely somebody who needs something, right? Like they are a vessel waiting for change and change comes to them. And that's how they present it. That's why I have Roxroy there. It's like, they keep saying he needs change and he's clearly not listening to his own feedback. The only way I can imagine them having that in content so often is, uh, well, it has a pop off later and they don't want you to forget. What do you think? What, what would Lindsay's be Joe? I don't know. I think uh, that's why I think Lindsay is so perfect is that she doesn't have anything. And then you sort of use this as a jumping off point, especially like maybe thinking the other way, like how, what would you do with Lindsay if she goes to our, like hourglass Island, like given her pre-merge, like she's in a pretty cozy spot. She has mm. an didn't lose your vote like i i feel like this makes a ton of sense because like her first act is almost like kind of irrelevant but in a good spot and then if anything i don't even know if this will be the beginning of a second act per se but you can use this as a moment to be like she had a big decision 
it's Lindsay. We haven't really introduced her yet. And then I don't know. There's a chance maybe she doesn't. She doesn't even go for the hourglass if it's the same twist, or doesn't make the risky decision, and like then sort of fades back to obscurity. So I don't know. I think that's kind of why Lindsay fits perfectly. Like it could be a little bit of a punishment too, like where she just doesn't make the game exciting, and therefore her edit's not exciting. I don't hate that idea at all. The only like counter argument I would put there is like these stories. So stories in Survivor, at least how I view them, they're written backwards. You start from how they get voted out, and then you try to give some clues in there of how it happened, right? How, so that, you know, when it comes to their time or when they're winning, there's easy shorthand you can kind of rely on for the audience to understand backwards. So to me, it would be, that would be really great if it was the opposite, right? If they were, okay, so, you know, Lindsay's not that important early on, and, and then she rises, But I think it's more likely what would happen is, oh, Lindsay gets voted out because she, let's say she's annoying, right? Uh, Let's say that's the actual kind of justifiable reason. She talks too much or or something like that. I would think that then the story from the start would be more about that trait and then ship, uh, sorry, Hourglass Island would be how that changes, right? Like how she goes from quality one to quality two um, because they, they know who wins, they know who comes why each person got voted out that's how they think about it is how each person gets voted out and then how to sort of reference that and and build the story from where they start to where they end and so i think that lends the story to be end heavy and that means to me they would want to develop who goes out there but i could be wrong like i it's it's hard to know i don't know i know i think that's that's the tricky thing is because yeah if they're doing it that way then like what what is Lindsay's story leading to right now <laughs> like right now it's not a thing yeah like i can't well right now it's getting voted out for having the token yeah right like that, that would be my leading theory i actually could see her leave next week mm, i don't know i, I think, think that would uh... be the easy one you know like the tides of history change or whatever and then hi and drea can come to an agreement to kill Lindsay to get the steal a vote maybe they align i think yeah i think we're feeling wildly different on different, where yeah. Lindsay is going <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very low on her. I just, I don't yeah. think she's long-term um, anymore. I think she's just, I think she's just a character they kind of forgot about. And I think, honestly, like, talking earlier as we did about Jonathan and Omar not having a scene, I'm sort of, in this moment, having a very, like, like, what is, like, Taku was this sort of image of, like, they're a little bit complex and, like, their things made sense, but they're kind of, yeah, they're falling apart, like... I don't know. I have I have lots more to say on Omer, I think, now, yeah. but, like... Same. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just... They don't... They do feel... Oh, you know what they feel like? They feel like Yasa. They feel like... That. They feel like Yasa. I don't <laughs> think this is the complex tribe anymore. Yeah. They feel like they're all going to go pretty early. Yep. Agreed. Or maybe not all, but I think their story is not good anymore. Like, mm-hmm. this week I was so high on it because their story was making sense, right? Like, you could see how that would go forward, and this was just the worst episode to happen. Their profound relationships turned into childish bickering. Yeah, everyone sort of twisted away from... Like, the the thing about what made Taku so strong for four episodes was they were all very consistent in their stories, and then this episode was just like, but what if everyone was the opposite of what we just said they were for four episodes? Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Yasuo with Tiffany kind of digging into Xander right before the merge, right? Like, right. that's what this feels like, where it's just all of a sudden they're cartoons. 
Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, oh, by the way, this group of people you thought was super connected, they're not. They hate each other. Bye. Like, that's what it feels like. So, let's jump to Marianne, uh, another Taku member. Uh, it's so weird. This, I think, is a good episode for her. And in a weird way, this might be the first good over-the-top negative episode for somebody. And the reason for that is just she didn't get a chance to remark on it, and that's not good. But I think it's actually really good that she's presented as on the bottom. Like, this is kind of like an Erica on the bottom kind of episode. You know what I mean? Like, or negative episode where everyone's trashing you. But that's actually not bad if your story's going to be flipping, right? Like, if you're going to get one over on them and they're looking villainous, that's not bad. So I actually have Marianne fairly high. I have her number four on my contenders list. Um, And I don't know. I, I thought that was a pretty good episode of them. I now have her... I might have her the highest or the second highest on this tribe. Um, and I had her, I think, the lowest last week. Um, but now I no longer have faith in this tribe as a unit, which means I am generally betting on these straggler people. And so Marianne jumps up a little bit there for me. Yeah, I also have Marianne in fourth. It's not like contender level. She she does feel like, to me, she's occupying that same role where it's just kind of neutral. I can't. I guess the fallback to say was that I can't really assess it, but in a way it's almost, it is making sense where Marianne is this outlier on Taku, and so if she jumps away, that makes even more sense. I will agree that even though this was over-the-top negative, like, it's justified because I think that totally fits within who Marianne is as a person. Like, honestly, her over-the-top positives sometimes could be perceived as over-the-top negatives, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I kind of like that theory that maybe she goes to Hourglass Island Island and it's a big twist but that is for me too cutesy like both yeah. people going to Hourglass Island having a big sort of change and winning um, like I was kind of fantasy booking that in my brain and then I'm like no that is way too like if that is the case that's like a wild fluke or it's clear that's the story they want to tell you know what I mean like it's one of those two things um, like they have a template of who they want going there and they're gonna get them to fit there no matter what um because, yeah, I was really thinking about Marianne as the sh- uh, the hourglass person as well. But, yeah, you're right. It's way too cute. There's almost no way. It's it's too much that I have her very low. Like, it's too obvious. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I, I also have her second highest. She's now above Jonathan. Um, yeah, I don't know. She still doesn't not make sense. And I think that yeah. has always been sort of Marianne's strong point. Really, she's been sort of the the sea level of the season in the same way that like Heather was a definite level last season where you could like mm-hmm. clearly define the people above her and below her on our rankings. Marianne is very much that where it's like above I have some sort of faith in some sort of belief and below I'm really starting to doubt their chances yeah no I actually really like that take and I think the thing with her is we've said this a lot she's such an energy person that the story's always going to be some people really like her and some people don't right and so but you know that from the jump so you're never surprised or it's never like rocks roy or anything like that where you're like oh my like you know like he just can't connect. It's like, you know she's going to connect with people. And she's not going to connect with people. And that's just kind of a baseline takeaway with her personality. So, um, and her as a player, right? So, 
Um, the fact that they are giving her more, let's say, depth, more edge, that kind of thing, is really good for her, right? Like, she does have that story of making the most of it, like, Survivor's, like, roller coaster. She has a really good, with Jeff, episode one. She's got some good winner quotes. Like, there's a lot going there in her favor, for sure. Um, but obviously, like, she's clearly one of their favorite characters, right? Like, they... They go to her in moments where it's not needed, often. And last week we said, basically, well, it's Jonathan and Marianne fighting for, you know, fan favorite. And I think now, it's to me, it's very clear it's going to be Marianne. Like, Jonathan was uh, had his brief time in the sun, but Marianne's the one that they're, like, they're going to want you to think, hey, this is the season Marianne was on. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be the winner. Like, oftentimes that is the winner. So, um, I don't know. I have her fairly high, like I said, number four. And honestly, maybe even number three. Um, we'll see. Well, I- I'm interested in this in this Omer discussion, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think well, that's where we need to move to. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll jump to Marianne because yeah, I agree. It's like it's less about her, more about everybody else. But she's always gonna look good enough. At least I actually just slightly disagree. She's not always gonna look good enough. This current iteration of Marianne looks good enough to be the winner. And I could easily see it dip into like, oh my God, I can't believe I ever had her considered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if she goes full Debbie next week, which she totally could anytime. And that's the danger, right? Is she has the foundation of winner. She also has the foundation of clown character. That was a disaster, you know? Yeah. So mixed there. <laughs> but right now I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on the former. As a potential. So let's jump to Ulmer. Joe, I'm I have him number three. Number no, I have him number two right now. And I I also am at number two, but I think I'm dropping like honestly, like based on the other conversations with about other people about the season, I can't help but shake the feeling that Omer's starting to look a little bit too planty to me. Um, the reason for that is there's quite a few things. One, we have not seen him and Jonathan talk in way too long. He is the person they go to for all the confessionals. He gets a lot of really good confessionals. That's still the case here. Or, I guess not this week specifically, but, you know, generally. Um, and, but the last two weeks he's been a little bit more quiet. And, like, at this point, his story's unclear, um, yeah, I just, I don't, like, he also says Marianne's annoying, uh, but then gets to narrate why she's gonna flip. That's not good either. That kind of inherently puts them at odds. I just, I feel like I, his edit's really good and crafted, but it almost feels like a trap. Yeah, it feels like, like, the good one from Taku in the way that, like, Yasa had good edits. And, like, yeah, it's just, yeah, the big thing was when you said, like, why haven't we seen scenes from Jonathan and Omer? I was like, we haven't seen scenes from Jonathan and Omer in so long. And that's really weird. I think we really rode on Omer himself having this really strong content and Taku itself being a really strong tribe. But now that everything seems to have flipped around, like he doesn't quite make sense. And I think the thing that dropped him from one, because he's been one for the past four episodes to two, was this sort of episode that the challenge 
like doubt like he was just bad at the challenge and i mm-hmm. guess you could say they really didn't give him a ton of content maybe to sort of lessen that but like i don't know for me it was this pre-merge doubt that really got to me i was like eh, i don't think he can be my number one anymore but now it's just like this tribe doesn't feel like the strong unit they need for omer to be successful within it and and joe like the other issue is his stories about keeping the tribe together right so so it's when when that was the case and it was like, oh, him and Lindsay have this kind of cool side bond and him and Marianne have the side bond. But his main one is Jonathan and Jonathan has these side bonds and is looking complex. I no longer in any world think this is the story where Taku dominates and Omar's story looks like he's going to be the guy trying to do that. And that does not look like that to me is no longer the story, which means he's still going to try it and fail. And that's not good. Maybe he can recover, but how many people recover from their like primary story? Not many. There could be this sort of Liana style story where like he's lost his vote and like Chanel can intuit that because she lost her vote. Mm-hmm. So, like maybe there's just this like vote right at the beginning here that doesn't go the way it should have because Omer didn't have his vote and it was needed. So, yeah, yeah, I think stuff like that, like he is sort of being set up for a downfall rather than sort of a I I feel like he could also like he fits into so many of the Yasas. Like he could be Xander and like make it to the end but not have the best story. Like he's just not You're totally right. Like the issue is I'm now totally in the talk it was Yasa. Um and yeah, like I I really think I'm dropping him, Joe. Like I think I am. Um, this is just not good. His story is so clearly pushing Taku forward, and this is not the tribe that's going to go forward anymore. And, like, even from the start, that's been sort of his story. We even haven't, like... Okay, so, for example, last season we had Erica go from lamb to lion. And we had, we've sort of clowned on this, but Omer's going from pigeon to eagle? Hawk? Owl. Go pigeon to owl um he's never been doubted like you know what i mean there's no part of his story that's people underestimating him like they did with erica right like yeah. it's it, he just said it and then he's strung the whole time he's very strong the whole time and when i even see him talking to his people like he's just like on he's on an island by himself confessing about the season yeah i think that's like you could almost argue and say well he's kind of pigeony in that he's not like the source of any drama on taku he's just kind of there he's a little failing in challenges but it's not it's not a great fit i think and there's no no one else on this tribe is acknowledging that like everyone else's everyone's problems on this tribe are with jonathan Lindsay or marianne like Nobody's had a problem with Omer, and in a way, that's bad. Like, nobody has anything to say about him. Yeah, this would be like a Tommy-style win, right? Like, that would be what we're tracking. I don't think that's what we're getting. Like, I really don't. And, yeah, honestly, Joe, I am dropping Omer, I think, maybe even off my contenders list. This conversation has persuaded me from number two to, I think, number... Five. I think it's still possible, right? Like, I mean, all the positives are still there. Yeah, I think I'm only going to three. I think I'd still have him above Marianne, and that it is still possible. And I, I really want to see how this merge develops 
before yeah, next week's gonna be key like because like what if marianne doesn't flip and like there is this bingo. big power core like i think if he's a big character or like taku does stay worth considering and yeah so i think i might lift romeo above him but otherwise he's still he's still on the contenders list and still in third yeah. and honestly i think i might be with you there i think i'm probably being dramatic it just because you're right what could happen is easily the story is will marianne flip no <laughs> like if that's the case then it's you know case over omer still maybe even number one it just to me there's how do i put this so last week if you would have asked me i'm like there's two ways the season goes uh and it's either taku dominates or taku gets crushed right away and jonathan wins out or whatever right now now i think the there's a whole lot more universes and timelines possible it could be omer flipping and in, in playing in the middle it could be um quite a few but there's a whole lot more where it's taku tries to stay together and fails and all the other tribes splinter and the people who splinter win um and omer doesn't seem like one of the splinter people so the more that side of the storylines like the more those options are possible and viable the lower omer's chances are the more basic this season is the higher omer's chances are so i think we'll see next week very clearly uh, with that double episode where he's going. So I think next week we'll have a clear idea. Um, I don't think he'll leave next week or in either of those boots. Um, well, I think it's only one oh, elimination. Really? Oh, like, they'll do hourglass into tribal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, no, you're totally right. So yeah, I think he'll still be here next week um, for us to think about. And I think we'll have a really clear idea what his act two is um, next week. I think we're going to still go to him a lot next week. Yeah. For sure. Like he's the most important voice on this trip at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know what? Sorry to be super dramatic here, but I'm going to drop him actually to four, not five. But yeah, uh, is that good for Omer? That is. I feel like that was a good good chat. Um, and let's jump here to Vati, which, Joe, I feel like this tribe is looking a little better um, overall, um, for sure. And I really like them. So I hope that's the case. I'm actually really only feeling strongly about one of them now, but they're still my favorite tribe. Like, I haven't yeah. lost that. Like, they're just always a joy to watch and an interesting group of characters. So, perfect. So, let's jump here to Chanel. I think Chanel had a pretty fun episode this week. You know, she was in danger. Uh, you know, she, like, I thought she had kind of some fun content with Daniel and kind of bouncing off back and forth. I'm interested to see, like, the fall. I, I feel like we'll get a follow up confessional from her next week of why she voted Mike um yeah thoughts i think i was kind of so i had chanel fourth last week and we both had her up there and talked about how that was probably holding on to some false hope i i really fell off the chanel train this week i thought this episode was honestly kind of boring for her like i i wasn't really drawn to chanel (laughs) the same way i've been in previous episodes um but then it just also wasn't good like she was not in control of her own her own fate here, I feel. Um, and I think that really hurts her chances. She did just feel like Hi Lydia and Mike were just choosing between her and Daniel, and it was a pretty fair choice. Yeah. No, actually that's a good point. And like from last week, I don't think we should have been viewing <laughs> or, or actually sorry, from the tie vote, from the from the Jenny vote. I don't think we should have been viewing like with the way last week presented it. 
it seemed like Daniel was already dead. Like he was the walking dead and Chanel was successfully got away with the heist. And then this week was very clear that was not the case. And Mike actually was in the way better spot. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm with you there. hundred percent. Chanel's not winning. I have her almost eliminated. Honestly, like maybe there's a world, something happens. Like, but I think it would probably take her going to the hourglass like that. She would need that. I think. Yeah. That would be really helpful for her too, but it would be the Erica story. kind of like a little bit different. She's not in as much danger, but like you could easily dress that up, right? Like her saying, Oh my goodness, I got a vote. I got tied on. I'm going to leave. Ooh, new chance and new, new prosperity, right? Like that could totally be a path. Um, so for that reason, I think she's also a worthwhile contender to think about in terms of top, likely to go to um go to the island but yeah i just i really do not right now see her as somebody who can win the game (laughs) but i really like her and in that way i kind of hope i'm wrong like i i I really do um like her quite a bit and i don't know i just uh like her style of play is one that i quite like yes Um, but right now, like most of these other people, well, we know she's risky. Like we know that side of things, she's going to make risks. And so she hits that theme, right? Like she's also a views this game as it's your one shot. Gotta go hard. Gotta go ham. All that sort of stuff. Um, but we don't know uh, like anything about her. Yeah. <laughs> So other than that, like we know how she approaches the game. Like she wants to control it without even voting, but that didn't work. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's not as strong as I think she would need to be, to be this, this sort of player. I don't know. So very low on her, but love her quite a bit. Yeah. I really like the, the moves she makes. I think they're interesting and I don't know. I've always found a way to defend them. I don't know if that is some like subconscious Chanel fandom, but, but yeah, I've always liked. Like, I liked the risking our vote. I like this Mike vote here. Like, very clever play from her. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, let's appear to high. I think this will be an interesting discussion. So, for me, high basically took the role of Chanel this week. Um, I basically traded them out. So I. Th- also, I want to mention, I think High is the best player on the cast. Um, it might be him or Omer, but I think right now I'd probably lean High. He was in, like, a lot of danger the last time he went to Tribal, and he is now dominating this tribe. Like, Daniel and Chanel were asking him permission to strategize. What an incredible, powerful turn of events that he is now in this powerful position. Um, I love his approach to the game. He's like, I want to go to Tribal, because these two aren't going to work with me. I love that approach. He didn't buy their bullshit at all. He is a masterful survivor player, and he's exactly what I thought he would be last or preseason in that episode that no one heard. So loving that. And I think he can win the game now, Joe. I really do. He second tier, like I not he would not be on the chart. Um, but I totally see what people are seeing now. And this episode to me gave a little bit more credibility that said he's still Ricard. Like I have a hard time shaking that he is not literally exactly Ricard and Ricard didn't win the season as you know. Um, so not super high on him. I have a number five at this moment. Um, and it, it wouldn't quite make the, make my list, but, um, I don't know. I really like him. He's exactly my type of player. He's doing really well. 
He's in a good spot come the merge and probably is going to make the DVD cover. Hmm. I I am not so high on high. <laughs> uh, I am third to last. And I think a better comparison I'm finding now is not Ricard, but Deshaun from last season, where there's a lot of content, like always relevant. It's interesting content, but he's another one who feels like there's holes or it's not it's not the right type of stuff. I think his premiere, like I've talked about his premiere before, I don't think it was as solid as it could have been. I think to talk more recently, this episode, he gets a lot of content being like, well, keeping Chanel is a problem. (laughs) And then he keeps Chanel. So I think (laughs) there's a bit of inconsistency to him. I think he is a captivating character. I think he's a big character. I think he is a good player. And I would say, yeah, he's probably making the DVD cover. But I believe Deshaun did all of those things, too. (laughs) So that's kind of where I stand right now. I just don't think he's actually, actually a contender. See, I disagree with Deshaun, just, but I totally get where you're coming from. Just because I think Deshaun did have so much more personal stuff, right? Like, he had, like, I think if you just took just Deshaun's game content i'm with you i just think that a lot of it was not that like a lot of it was this like powerful story whereas i think ricard is a better i'm gonna stick with ricard the reason for that is ricard is like flat ass game bot the entire season except for he has two episodes where he randomly interjects like a personal story um that is powerful and everything like that right but it is completely incongruent to everything else happening and I think High fits that perfectly with the vegan thing. Um, you know, it's he's just a game bot the entire time, except for he has this really powerful scene about being a vegetarian and having to navigate Survivor. And that fits adaptability, and it fits the make the most of it while you're out there, right? Like, fits both those themes really well. But it's never referenced again, and he's just a game bot the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is very Ricard. Yeah, I think... Like, if you check off the box, he has personal content. But, like... You don't know who he is outside the game at all. (laughs) I think thinking about Ricard, there were bits missing, and I feel like in the beginning episodes where, yes, we were told it's two pairs with Chanel and Daniel in the middle, but we never really got, especially the high and Lydia side, like trying Mm. to pull in a side. I feel like we got a little bit of that with Mike trying to grab Daniel as a number. And so, yeah, that's where I'm I'm a little perplexed right now. I yeah. I just don't see hi. It'd be a fun winner, but I don't I don't see it. <laughs> no, like honestly, like realistically, maybe I should be having some of these people where I could see something happen. Like to me, if high wins, he would just look a lot better. That was the same criticism with Ricard last time too, right? It's you know, like if this character wins, they're gonna shove them down your throat. Like the producers are going to really like them. And uh, I think we're just seeing another character where they really respect them and they're a good narrator and character and they probably matter a lot and they're not the winner. Um, So yeah, like you're probably like, I don't know. You're not really convincing me of anything because I still have him pretty low. I just don't know who I would replace him with basically. Like maybe he should be six instead of five. I don't know. Um, But he's in that not winning below kind of what we're saying, like below Marianne. For me, the answer is probably not Marianne, honestly. Like, I think that, like, I have her and Omar basically tied right now. But below them is basically my dead zone. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... 
different levels of like i guess i can see the path or like mm-hmm. it's not totally like yeah the story like, isn't totally shot realistically maybe i should have high lower than people like tori who like could win randomly right if she turns into a hero like that's probably more likely whereas like i'm probably always giving high 10 percent. that's not very high but it's a percentage it's just it's never gonna really raise because i think he's got a pretty hard ceiling from stuff that's already happened whereas like maybe Lindsay has the best episode ever next week and her story starts from there whereas hi even if he had the best episode ever next week i don't think i would be having him number one you know yeah i think that's the tricky thing is after episode three like everything sort of fits a good episode will always sort of fit into the same strengths that made episode three so good for him. And so it's like, on the one hand, like a bad episode is going to be a bad episode for high for me, but a good episode is also just like a circumstantial good episode. So he is sort of trapped at the bottom for me, but I also think like he's not winning. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's tough sometimes to rank these ones that you don't really view. But it's like, well, High's a good player, so maybe he should be five. But like, really, I think I'm talking myself out of it there. Um, yeah, rip high. I know a lot of people that listen to the show probably pretty high on him. Um, I. I tried to listen to the takes, like, I really did, I think that's probably why I have him at five, but the what, now that I'm explaining, like, the funny thing about podcasting sometimes is you come in with an idea, and then you realize that you're trying to persuade yourself as you're talking, like, oh, no, I'm wrong, you know, like, so, yeah, not, not too high there, but, uh, let's jump to somebody who's super cool, Lydia. Yeah, if you want to talk about trying to persuade myself on something, like, I have Lydia at seven, and I'm like, but why, though? <laughs> because I want it to happen. Like, Lydia had an amazing episode. Um, no, she did not. I, <laughs> I meant an amazing episode in terms of I loved her. <laughs> the TV? <laughs> On the TV. That is truly what I meant. I mean, I do want to contend this because I don't think it was a bad episode for no, I agree with that. It wasn't like, no, it didn't like reverse course. Uh, but yeah, I. It's just like weirdly, like, in the ones that are not the greatest edits, like, I don't know what Lydia's sort of ceiling for an edit is. It's not this, but it's not like she's at the bottom of yeah. what she could be either. I think she's just a weird one. She's like a Marianne Light in that. Yeah. I don't think this is what she would have if she were winning, but it doesn't feel the wrongest. I, I totally get what you're saying, and I totally get what you're saying with like this being a good episode. The issue is she doesn't have a story at all, right? Like, or remotely, like, other than that Survivor's hard for her. That would be her story, right? Like, at the start, she talks about not wanting to be um, on the island, basically. She has her survival skills. And then now, like, she, her first confessional this, this week starts after the immunity challenge, but um, also is Survivor breaks you down and everything's stripped away. She's learning a lot about herself. It's a very growthy edit, right? Like, she's going to learn more about being comfortable in her skin, being comfortable in the outdoors, all that sort of stuff. That's just not the winner is, is, the, is the issue, kind of. But, um, and, like... It was a beautiful episode. Like, I really did like her content this week. I don't know why they chose to start it when she went to the island, though. Like, that's where her content is. She talks a lot this week, but it's all at this island and not anywhere else. And uh, I I guess a little bit when she goes back to camp. But, like, stuff like that matters, right? Like, 
they they gave her this powerful scene when they had to because she went and the other person was Roxroy. You know, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make any big argument for her at 7th, like that's anything big. I think it's just the people below her are Tori, Chanel, Hi, Lindsay, and Rockroy, and we've talked about all of them, and I feel like I understand why all of those are a bit lower. Like, Lydia, she does, I don't know. She, You're right, it like, feels she right. just passed the test of, like, next week she could have the greatest episode ever. And they just thought she was boring or something. You know what I mean? Like, not, that's like a little bit um, reductive. But you know what I mean? Like, that could happen more than Golden Boy High is not <laughs> not on the show sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, some archetypes you can imagine the show or editors, whether justly or unjustly, not respecting as much. And, and Lydia could be that for sure. Um, and I hope it's true because I think she makes me laugh. This week she was making me cry. Um, and she seems like a pretty solid player. Like, I don't know. I, I'd be here for it. Yeah, I think I think she's in it for a while. There is kind of a feeling that she could go next. Like, her edit doesn't feel so far removed from a Sydney. Not that yes. every fake merge boot is going to be exactly a Sydney. But it, it feels right. But I think more likely she's here uh, right before finale, Agreed. early finale. Pick for like the Ashley Nolan or something, you know, like someone who's just like, oh, wait, they made it that far, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I hope that's true. Like, I don't know. I, I do like her. I hope they give her more. I actually think there is a chance that is the case. Like, she also hasn't had a whole lot to do. Um, so hopefully that's kind of the case, and it, it's more she gets more involvement and and stuff like that. So yeah, that's Lydia for me. the The biggest issue is again we don't get we did get her and High talking this week. That's that does raise her a couple points. They were making fun of Daniel together. I don't know if she spoke though. <laughs> yeah, she definitely had some some sassy lines about Daniel. Okay, perfect, perfect. But yeah, I don't know. Big fan. Love Lydia. Stan Lydia. Um, and I guess that brings us to Mike, right? So Mike is my number one contender at this point. Um, I think that he is the most consistent crafted narrative this whole time he fits all the themes in a pretty good way the only one that he might not is this risk theme but i don't think it's contradictory as i mentioned i think this might be the story of him becoming more risky more of a player more of a wheeler wheeler and dealer um and it's never been that he doesn't want to make risks right it's never been that it's always been i need to need to think i have this impulse i'm older but i need to adapt so i'm not a dinosaur that could be his story you can see his winner package in a way that i don't think you can for anybody else other than maybe romeo where it starts he's like i need to make sure that people know i'm likable so i'm gonna be giggly and fun and social because i look mean and he's like oh shoot i'm kind of fumbling here I need to make sure that I'm more adaptable. Like he's always changing and growing and, and adapting with the times when Daniel sells him out, he builds a new bond with high and it's pretty, it works really well. And we see it working here too. Like this is a really good edit. This is a really good story. The only con for me, for him is he's also an amazing character and he's somebody who would probably look somewhat similar no matter what. That's like the one con, but you can't always just not count people who are interesting, interesting people win the show all the time. So that's my take on Mike. What do you think, Joe? For the most part, I agree. I think to talk about how he'll always be a character, I think that's true, but I think they could do it a lot simpler than they are now. The thing about Mike's edit is that it feels like every theme or thing they build up, they 
like add evidence. It's like a really well researched research paper yeah. where like it filters through him. It's like yeah. you're allowed to interject a new idea without letting him comment on it. Yeah, it's like most well-rounded person. Like he immediately gets to be like, "I'm perceived as this, but I want to be more like this." He says um, he's the one who says most well-rounded. Um, like the ability to survive is relying on the people around you. Like he's made bonds with the people around him. He tried to pull Daniel in. He reconfigured and now pulled High in. There's that scene at the immunity challenge where he like um like reassures High for doing such a good job. Like that's there. Like, definitely, I think the way we talked about that risk theme where it doesn't seem like he's quite fitting into it and not making the most of the shot per se, but I think that deliberation is is the more complex take that is the right fit. And mm-hmm. I think all of these things, plus this sort of recontextualization of Daniel as someone who starts really high and in a good position and then crashes by the end of the pre-merge helps Mike a lot because then you see what Mike and Daniel's relationship was and how Mike was able to make the most of it and Daniel instead fell victim to what happened. So yeah, very, very clearly now, like, number one, especially with Omer, like... And the, how we're thinking about Taku sort of crashing and burning. Yeah. No, that's the big thing for me is coming in this week, Joe... I had Mike and Omer, and it was like, shoot, which one's number one? I can't decide. That was kind of me last week in a a little bit, too. I'm like, not sure exactly where to place them. The conversation with Omer made the gulf much bigger. Um, For me, between Mike and everybody else, to me, Mike is the the runaway favorite right now. Um, and, And nobody's even close. Like, I would, like, if I was a little bit more dramatic, he might be the only one on my list. Um, it's very good story. And like you mentioned, he's going into a merge with Taku looking like they're cratering, Ika looking like they they won't connect. And while Chanel might flip, I don't think it's as of a lock as the other two. And I think he could rope in some other people too, right? Like he, you saw, kind of saw the wink with Marianne and um, Drea between them like when they were saying their phrases like they kind of winked at each other um and so much attention has been paid to every little thing mike's done like that's the other thing right is we've seen him go from wanting to say the phrase to not wanting to say the phrase to wanting to say it to um his the like you have the entire play-by-play with his relationship with daniel you have the entire play-by-play with his relationship with high like you got everything right like he even talks to Hai about the veganism. Like everything is there. Um, we know he's a soccer. We know he's a football coach. We know he doesn't like soccer. We understand who he is outside the game and his personality and and joking style and and what he cares about. He's got everything, and in a way that I I, I just he's also in a good spot come the merge. I just I can't imagine. He's also I think has the most longevity. Like I would. Of everybody on the cast, I would bet Mike is in the finale episode, I mean. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's hard to trust anyone but the person who was preaching adaptability in a merge like this. Yeah. Where there's no clear majority. So, so yeah, I just feel his is weirdly now the most apparent winner story, too. Like, you can see how he sort of navigates it with and who he's working with and... It's not it's not Jonathan levels of far fetched where he has to win every immunity challenge. Um, it's realistic. It just makes sense. I do want to say one 
con on him this week when he's making fun of daniel he has a line where he says you know uh daniel says he has to stay out of all the swimming challenges because because he can't swim do you see how far away that coral reef is there's a shot not too long before that when high's talking of daniel way out in the ocean right like super far away when mike says it it's a shot of my uh, of daniel on the beach that's like my one thing i'm like maybe if he's the winner they they uh, tie that up a bit i don't know but because he did not look very far away when mike was talking but other than that very very high on him um and that's like the smallest detail in the world that's just more sloppy editing than than anything um and there's a little bit of that this week um in terms of just like functional editing not narrative choices just uh this this season in general i feel like there's been a little bit more like sloppy actual editing work like the technical craft um but I digress. Also, the music is way less good this season than last season. Like, last season, we were, like, boasting about the music. This season's not very good. Um, but yeah, we haven't mentioned it once, so... <laughs> at all, right? Like, and nobody has. Nobody on Twitter has said, like, oh, this music cue. It's all just been, like, flat. Flat Survivor music. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I just... There's so much there, right? Like, even how much he gets to talk about like Daniel's shoulder and losing the idol and finding the idol. Like he's just all over these things and you're right. They really have to go to him before saying anything of value. Right. It's just, um, an amazing story. He hits every theme in a meaningful way and he's a coach, right? Like, and he gives that vibe of like this whole idea of your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. He's also kind of a Marianne type, right? Like he's got a lot of energy, he seems like he's bouncing all over the place, but he's also a coach and he can bring out the best in people and you can imagine him kind of leading like a heroic alliance. I just, I, I really think that almost all the things I was thinking about Omer and Jonathan as a fusion is actually just Mike as a player. He is yeah. well-rounded. Yeah, I definitely agree. So yeah, I mean, glowing endorsement for Mike here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't imagine anybody else really. Uh, um, and I think you could go to the um, island. Like, that's how much I think like, that might be overkill, honestly. Like, if he goes there, it's like, write him the check. But, um, you know, like, that also seems totally, totally reasonable to me. So, yeah. And in a way, he kind of inherits Daniel's positivity from earlier. Like, just good all around. Yep. Which brings us to Rip King Daniel. Um, honestly, Joe, by the end, I didn't want him to leave. Like, I I feel like him in the merge maybe would have been a little bit more fun than maybe what Chanel will bring. But, or, you know, random other person who gets voted out. Like, a little sad by it. Yeah, he wasn't always the most rootable character At or likable, yeah. but like I didn't also didn't want him to leave. Like, I don't know, he was very captivating and dynamic, I think is the word yeah. for this season. And yeah, it may be interesting to see where it goes from here. Maybe you're a little preemptive with like a sort of not I want flatlining, that's drastic, but like a little more mediocrity this season. <laughs> Um, without him but yeah I, I i love this arc where it's so positive and then sort of crashes and burns like that's really entertaining to watch especially when they devote the time to it yeah. and yeah, yeah it was Jacob Derwin, like in the future we'll compare people to daniel that's a distinction from jacob Derwin, you know like because he was actually doing really good at the start yeah yeah to have him as a contender and then the way it reminds me a lot of cole from triple h I was really, I was like convinced that Cole was winning that season on episode one. Like, this is a really nuanced, positive yeah. edit. You're all missing it. And then it just fell apart. And in a yeah. way, that's so much fun to watch to be like, oh my gosh, what? 
Yeah. What was I thinking? Is this person the contender? Yeah, like I'm trying to think of other good like like what are like the best versions of that? Like I think Cole is a good mention because he was a really I think clutch episode one. But like I feel like there's some really weird ones in terms of like that lasted longer. Like um I don't know I'm trying to think of a good example, but kind of fail in here. But um just the, like oh my god, how did we ever even think that person? Like you know shambo or something in samoa you know like mm-hmm. was a top contender for a lot of people you know stuff like that but um yeah so with that rip daniel i mean i think he brought a lot to the season his arc i, I agree was pretty freaking awesome and well told honestly like from beginning to end like you both get what makes him a good player and a disaster and they don't feel incongruent it's like the same quality yeah for sure so yeah um predictions next boot so actually let's start with joe who's going to uh the hourglass i'm sticking with Lindsay. i think it's it's gonna be her breakout episode of sorts i think i'm gonna stick with mike uh next boot proper i think that'll be roxroy i yeah i think you convinced me i think it's gonna be roxroy um winner uh, we've talked about this. Um, for me, right now, at number five, I have our boy Hi. Uh, at number four, I have Marianne. At number three, I have Omer. At number two, I've got Romeo. At number one, I have Mike. Our top four is exactly the same. I have Marianne not on the contender list, but at number four. It's the um, Heather Aldra honorary like level for the season. Um, something significant on both sides. In this case, the actual contenders are above Marianne. So number three, Omer. Number two, Romeo. Big leap for him. And then number one, Mike. Yeah, huge leap. Like, you had him, like, fourth last to second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy what one episode can do. But this is actually, like, what... Like, we probably should have prefaced this more. This is one of the most important episodes of the entire season, right? This is the end of the pre-merge functionally. Um, like, well, yeah, and I think the story. what's important is that doesn't it's not just this one episode, but then you can take this chunk of episodes as the pre-merge and talk yes. about where they're at after this. No, you're like, totally right, because it's not that this episode's so important. It's that this is the end of Act 1, and so where people end up and what attention they get with loose ends like you know if if something comes up in episode three and is never mentioned until this episode last week we would have been like where is this but this week if it's mentioned it's like oh there it is and now it's just one block together you're right that's the better way to put it um Uh but yeah so that's our show um yeah and next week we can do the merge stuff i think we'll have like a clear idea what's going on in the merge um feel free to contact us on reddit we post this on our edgic our survivor you can email us you can dm us on reddit because pretty obvious what our usernames are there on reddit at this point um <laughs> new episodes are going to be probably generally sundays but you know saturday sundays uh depending next week um definitely leave us a review on itunes i saw that a lot of you folks uh were doing that this week always great to see uh those nice comments um and from what i understand it helps us a lot so that's super great and I mean, I recommend watching uh, every everything, everywhere, all at once. I saw it this week, and it was freaking awesome. So definitely go see that. I wish to see it, but I have not seen it yet. Do it. See you next week. See ya. If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million-dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh, my gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from 
my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, bro. Are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna